podcast where every week's a brand new concept i am your producer ben alongside your director matt and boy do we have something today yeah i'm as excited for this as i was to have covid so you're fearful are you fearful of of today matt yeah with, with for how bad what we're about to talk about was I, it makes me sad because if this had been good, I feel like this format would have been great for a lot of different characters and content styles. But this this really fails. Yeah, we started out today. I was at like a five. Matt was like at a seven, maybe. And we were really hoping that today's subject was going to brighten our spirits and lift us up. But Boy, Matt, I tell you, I feel like I'm in some sort of weird fugue state. You know, yeah. you know how you had those early summer days in summer vacation where you where where the threat of school is is not looming yet. Yeah. And so you just sit in front of the TV all day and by the end you're like, "Oh, I feel grimy." Yeah, it just feels like that's, the day that's how has, I feel. Like the day has passed without anything happening, even though yes. more things. Yeah, I get that. It's kind of that like you you feel dirty because you feel like you didn't use your time well. Yeah, that that very much accurately describes watching Netflix's Escape the Undertaker. But before we jump into the actual episode, Ben, uh, we we got we got to do our vamping about what we've done since the last episode. Yeah, well, before you do your eight-minute monologue, I went to GCW's <laughs> Bloodsport Seven this past Friday. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about this, Ben. So I need I need a full breakdown of how this event went. Yeah, so Bloodsport in general is a fake MMA show, more or less. It's pro wrestlers, a lot of them with MMA experience fighting each other under hybrid wrestling MMA rules, and the idea is to eschew a lot of the normal tropes of wrestling, like having a finisher, near falls, you can only win by knockout or submission. And it's essentially them mimicking MMA in a weird pro wrestling-y way. Okay. There were 10 matches on the card. They were all relatively fast, which was for the best. Yeah. Because let me tell you, Matt, if you thought pro wrestling looked fake, Watching pro wrestlers <laughs> pretend to do MMA looks really fake. Oh, now, no. With that said, I really enjoyed the show. I, I thought everyone tried really hard, and I thought it was really fun. But a lot of the stuff that you excuse <coughs> in a regular wrestling show, like strikes that don't come close to hitting, and just just weird kicks, etc., a lot of that stuff is a lot more glaring of an issue mm. when it's supposed to be closer to mimicking reality. Also, apparently someone backstage taught them, like, if you've never seen an MMA fight before, just try and put someone in an armbar. Every single fight yeah. had an armbar attempted. Oh, no. Was it and, always the and, same kind of armbar? Yes, it was oh. the exact same type of armbar every single time. And that was like the only submission anyone tried. What the fuck? I will say kudos to Yoya, who's the wrestler in the opening match. I really like his stuff. 
there was a guy named Eric Hammer. Okay. And and he's just he was just a beast of a man. I I mean so freaking big. He he had this oversized mustache. Ooh. And he was a joy to look at. I really want to that's, see more of him. He's apparently wonderful. a SoCal local. And, of course, in the main event was Chris Dickinson, who's one of my favorite indie wrestlers right now, faced Minoru Suzuki. Oh, shit. And getting to see Minoru Suzuki in a singles match on an indie show is fucking awesome. Even yeah. better, I got to meet Minoru Suzuki in person. Woo. And, bro, I fangirled out. I would have. Because we're going into the building, and I just see this scrawled sign that says, Suzuki meet and greet to the left. So I'm like, oh my god, like like you get to meet Suzuki? Because yeah. the whole thing with Minoru Suzuki, living wrestling legend, but also he's not someone who comes to the U.S. all the time, especially during COVID. And this is like okay. all, easily on the downswing of his career. He's in his 50s right now. So... Like, wow, a meet and greet, you know, that does not happen very often. No, so yeah. we walked upstairs. I'm like, okay, crap. I was not prepared to meet him. I do not know what I'm going to say, but I'm yeah. like, there will be a long line. So you know, I'll have time about- to think of it. I uh, come up and the guy says, oh, you have to wait here. Great. All right. You're next. Come on up. Oh, oh no. my God. So I go in. Uh, I, I, I signed up for a combo autograph photo. And okay. so I walk up to this man, mind completely blank of what I'm going to say, but he, he, he shakes my hand, nice handshake. It's not a worker's handshake. It's a regular handshake because he's a normal fucking person. Have I told okay. you the worker's handshake story, Matt? No, I, I, I don't think I've heard this one. Okay, so the concept of the worker's handshake in wrestling is okay. that... Oh, I didn't even think this was going to be a, a wrestling thing. Yeah, it's to show that you are a safe wrestler and you're going to take care of your opponent. It was known back in the day that when you would shake hands with someone, you would shake hands as lightly as possible, like like baby soft. You, you yeah. barely feel them. And that would mean, hey, I'm really safe in the ring. If you give them a big, thick handshake, that's like, yeah, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, it shows that you have, like, that energy I, it I get shows it. that you it, it shows you're essentially working the handshake yeah yeah you're already so, fighting like, there was a time where i was helping break down the ring at pwg and i shook the hands of someone who's a trainee yeah. and apparently at that school they teach you to do the worker's handshake because i shaked his hand normally and he looked at me like what the hell because oh. he gave me, like, a baby soft handshake. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to stiff you, brother, you know. Oh, so you stiffed him? I, I, I didn't mean to. I didn't know he was wow. going to do a worker's handshake. Anyway, so Minoru Suzuki gave me a normal handshake. His chest has so many broken blood vessels on it <sighs> from people who've been chopping the shit out of him. Because he's old enough, he can't really bump. He just chops now. Yeah, I, I mean, I've watched his recent AEW editions. Uh, yeah. He's just a smacking man. But he was a super nice guy. Got a picture with uh, him and Rebecca as well. So all three of us. Wonderful. I, when he signed the thing, I was just blurting out to him, oh, man, I was at All Out in Chicago, and I saw you in the crew. I was like, yeah, that's Suzuki. I'm like, of course it's Suzuki, and everyone was really excited to see you. And he turns, and he looks at me, and he goes, yes, thank you. 
<laughs> and I know that he didn't understand a word that I said, but the uh, fact yeah. that he was still nice and I and he gave me a smile, that's that... like a lifetime accomplishment in and of itself. And he shook my hand afterwards. So two handshakes from Minoru Suzuki. Did you did you work or handshake him the second time? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. But that would have been fucking funny. Yeah, he should have came in and just limp noodled him, like barely, like not even squeezed. <laughs> limp noodle, whisper in his ear, "Hey, I'm a, I'm, I'm a worker, brother." <laughs> I, you, no. you, you ever you ever you ever worked in the Budokan? Oh God. Yeah. So oh yeah, that, that that would have been the greatest next level energy I've ever heard. So that was my weekend. Also, uh, stayed up late to watch Night of the Demons and Return of the Living Dead because I was. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, w- I went to a, a friend's place for, like, a Halloween-ish get-together. They're like, what what horror movies do you want to watch? It's like, if you're looking for fun, acceptable, sort of cheesy, sort of good horror movies, Night of the Demons, yeah. Return of the Living Dead, just so easy. So, I, I got some additions to that category, actually. That um, Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so I, I this weekend, um, after recovering and beginning symptom un, an, non-symptomatic, and I got approval from a doctor, um, I went to the 24-hour film festival, the Music Box of Horrors 2021, and uh, it was a darn toot and good time. They uh, they didn't have all of the same like cool stuff they usually do, like a tattoo parlor, giving out like small tattoos and like a bunch of food trucks, like that wasn't there. But all the shopping and cool vendors were selling super old school DVDs and, and uh, posters. Unfortunately, uh, I almost got you a Night of the Demons poster, Ben. Yeah. Uh, but the guy wanted $125 for it. And I was like, oh, man, I was yeah, fuck it, that. if I had had if I had had the extra money, I, I totally would have bought it and framed it at the house and just showed it to you. Um. Mm. But it was a good time regardless. Um, but I saw a couple movies um, that I think fit into the uh, watch this with a bunch of your friends or put on at like a movie night type of thing. One, and, and I, I think there's an interesting discussion to have about this movie is The Faculty. Have you ever seen The Faculty by uh, Roger uh, Robert Rodriguez? I have not. I didn't hear good things about it, which is why I'm excited that you enjoyed it so much. It was one of the best. It was. It's probably the the last. I don't think I've seen a a horror movie that fits into the genre in a very long time, where it's fun time horror. It it, it is a like it is a full go mode, fun, well made, incredibly well executed, and it has a stacked cast. Um. Well, let me pull up the actual IMDb page for it. It has uh, Josh Harshnet. It's got a, a, a Elijah Wood, Claire Duvall, uh, Jordan Brewster, Laura Harris. Um, it's got a ton of other people in it that are relevant. Oh, yeah. It's got Robert Patrick, Babe Newhite, John Stewart, Usher, Salma Hayek. Uh, Damn. It is a stacked film. It is 100% the type of horror film that you and I will love, Ben, and the people who listen to this podcast. It is a like a teen horror film that's like Invasions of the Body Snatchers. It has layers of like scream levels of like nuance because the character who kind of drives the rest of the cast, like the ensemble cast through the story, 
is they rely on her because she's read a bunch of sci-fi novels and watches scary movies. Um, but it's is not... The, is it the, it's sort of Scream-esque. Yeah, like Scream, yeah. Um, and the, the plot is fantastic. Uh, it's about a group of aliens who come to invade. And there's a great line where if where the main characters are asking, like, why would they be here at our school in Ohio? And the the main character goes... Now, if you were smart enough to travel across the gal- the universe and get here, would you really blow up the um, the White House Independence Day style, or would you come in through the back door? And like Independence Day style, is that what I said? That that's what I would do. Oh yeah, okay. But if you were smart, you would go through the back door, like going through Ohio. Um, and it's a really fun movie. It's got a, a people who are in a bunch of different things, and it's it's really really fun. Um, and the other movie uh, that I'll mention, there's a bunch of other really good stuff, but I'll talk about those later, um, or I can talk about them now. I'll decide later. Um, the next one that you and I need to watch, Ben, and I have never heard of this movie. I had I had never I didn't even read about it leading up to the Music Box of Horrors, just because I was like, oh, I'll probably go do something else when the movie called The Granny is on. Have you ever heard of the granny from uh, do, do, do 1995? I have not. Okay. So the granny, I'll read you the brief description um, from the, from the, uh, from the music box of horror starring the absolute legendary playmate slash actress, Stella Stevens, who apparently went from doing uh, like weird porn to just making schlocky horror movies because she had made enough money oh, yeah. and they were more fun. Um, and she plays the titular granny who just can't stand her obnoxious family who transparently waiting for her to die so they can get her, her, her fortune. But unbeknownst to the uh, cavalcade of abrasive leeches, granny discovers an elixir bestowing eternal life upon her wretched soul prior to biting the big one. And she's ready to take revenge in deliciously perverse ways you cannot begin to imagine. That's and, awesome. And it is fucking incredible. It is so much funny. Oh, and the the best part, Ben, is despite all of like the other weird intricacies of this like, weird old lady, she has an inexp- uh, an inexplainable obsession with professional wrestling. And she she ignores the whole family who's at her house for Thanksgiving and says, fuck off. I got to go watch the stinger in a tag match and then proceeds to go watch a WCW tag match for about a minute straight. Does it actually like show the footage? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there's full footage. I think it's got like uh, I want us. I this might be wrong. So edit me out if it is. I think it's like Chris Canyon and sting. It's like it's pre it's pre Raven sting. It's like old yeah, surfer sting. Yeah. And it's awesome. And then later in the in the fucking movie, the little kid comes is like play wrestling with his sister in the hallway. And they like kind of do like a WWE like like little thing for a second. And then he makes fun of it for being fake. And then he goes and challenges the old woman to a wrestling match saying that being like WWE's fake professional wrestling's bullshit. Um, and then when she becomes a demon later in the movie, she suplexes him. That's awesome. All right. I got to watch this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, this is that it's, it, wow. I was so happy to watch that movie. Um, I unfortunately was forced to watch Calvary again. Um, I'm going to be real. I took a nap during that. 
Um, the other one, the last one I'll mention that I think is another, going to be a big another up for you, Ben, is a movie that was a, a wholly original style of film. It was a movie called Ghost Watch from 1992. Have you have you heard of this? I have. Do you, okay, so it's it's a movie that's presented as a live paranormal investigation, but it actually got real BBC TV personalities to come on the yeah. show. Yeah, it's like the the British version of uh, what 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 was that radio show? Um, oh um, oh, we should both know this. Uh, uh, I want to say the Data Earth stood st- still, but that's wrong. No, it's not. Um, I was thinking Mars Attacks, and that's <laughs> that's oddly wrong. wrong. <laughs> uh, I've seen the movie too. Um, this is embarrassing. Uh, fuck, it's George Orwell. I know that. Um. radio show (laughs) (laughs) aliens uh it just came war of the worlds war of the worlds (laughs) i want to say when you we type in radio show aliens the first thing that comes up is fucking coast to coast am yeah that's fair yeah it's like that but but yeah ghost watch yeah i i know all about ghost watch yeah okay so that yeah it's hilarious it's really funny and it was really it was a really fun time movie it was right on at the perfect time it was at like 6 15 when like you're starting to considering like leaving for a movie to go get dinner and then they went back to back with ghost watch into the granny damn uh and then i and then i instead of watching the movie the scary of 61st which we're gonna have to talk about very quickly i went and saw uh uh <laughs> this is this is your third last movie man yeah, well, these are all important films. I love movies. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you better like fucking movies. Um, and I saw Titan, or, or however it's supposed to be Titan. said. Titan. Titan. I went and saw Titan, uh, which you'll understand these references, and I'm not going to explain them. Is It's like Gaspar Noel's um, uh, climax mixed with good time. Fuck. It is, it is anxiety porn with an actual, like, deeply driven character story done in like as it's a sophomore film by this director and she while wearing some influences on her sleeve performed and pulled something off so unique that i i I was blown away it was genuinely i I, you can't talk about what happens in the movie because you need to just see it but man, it was totally worth it to jump out of the theater because the movie I missed is a movie called The Scary of 61st. And it's about a group of teens who decide to go house hunting in New York City. And the apartment they rent turns out to be one of um, uh, Ep- uh, Jeffrey Epstein's old uh, dump apartments where he would keep women who were trafficked. And the whole movie is apparently about the uh, the obsession that the writer and director had uh, and star uh, had with the Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself and uh, conspiracy and was a big proponent and leader of a bunch of gatherings of Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein truthers, as she put it, in New York City. And so she made her, I think, I believe, debut movie it might be her second film. Um, all about this. And when I asked the people at Music Box if I should skip the movie and go see uh, Tatane, the, the guy said, well, I haven't seen it yet, 
but one of the guys who did vet it for the theater for the show said it was a complete mess but you know <laughs> you might like it because subjectivity is is its own thing and i was like oh i did love the granny and ghost watch and all those movies and he goes yeah it's a different flavor <laughs> so I, I would insult Tatain, but I, I almost regret it because I did go watch the interview with the director afterwards and she was really wild and weird. So I kind of almost want to see her movie more now. Um, but it is uh, Dasha Nekarovskova, who is about to start a starring role in the HBO series Succession. Nice. Uh, and this is what she did prior to that. I guess after make after filming it, she went and made this movie while admittedly high on amphetamines. Okay, and on that note, we are going to move into the meat of today's episode. Once again, our biggest fan is Brennan. If you would like to be our biggest fan, just comment or message us on our yeah. Instagram, hey. on one of our pod feeds, and, I- and use the password. I'm gouging my eyes out. This is so dull. Yeah, you got. You got. This is not dull. This is fantastic. I, I would say use the password of the granny. Sure, use the password the granny. And and with I the the. Yeah, with the the, you have to have the the. And 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 just as a note, uh, Brennan, fuck you, dude. Uh, I love your messages. Thank you for enjoying the podcast. Uh, but I refuse to be at, told to not continue to talk about you. Um, so now it's a personal endeavor. So eat my ass, please. You can, you can, you can do it vicariously through me too, Ben. All right. And now we are going to move into today's potty. Matt, cue it up. Hit the music. Come up and pick the music later. But, 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 uh, Great, that's the intro. If we ever do anything for this episode ever again, that's the music we're going to use. The da 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 da, and then me coughing. Yes, the beautiful. The end. The call, yeah, the cough is the important part. Um, we got we got to get some music from one of these movies that I saw this weekend. But oh, I forgot to talk about William Crane. Whatever. Welcome everybody to the very first episode of Con. Oh fuck! I. Ugh. I, I, I fucked up the name in my head because I was trying to say it. And then as I started talking, I was what, still what, thinking. What, what's the name of it? Um, uh, cross content anental. Cross content anental. Fuck, that sucks. <laughs> cross cross content anental. Yeah, see, it, it does not yeah. roll off the tongue. I'm running it down so I can look at it. Con- Welcome to cross content Anental. I am your host, Ben. Oh, no. Alongside no, Matt, that's terrible. We are doing this sort of intro because Matt ruined my intro last week. Hey, that Welcome was an improved here. intro. Matt, how are you doing today? We're going to talk about Wait, okay, you, you, Escape you, you, the Undertaker. I I am I am doing well, but just to pitch everybody on what Cross Continental is. Cross Continental is a podcast cross, all of, cross Continental. Yes, Cross Continental because the purpose <laughs> of the podcast is to look across different styles of content and draw connections to kind of give you a whole picture about 
what we're talking about in a, in a movie. So, for example, we could look at the context and difference between fantasy and power metal, which is primarily based around fantasy, and how the stories are told. Or any a number of things like music in, mo- in horror movies and music in horror video games and how they present themselves differently. And in this episode, as Ben has said, we're going to be talking about Escape the Undertaker, which is Netflix's second interactive kind of choose-your-own-adventure, TM, um, experience on the internet. And this time, it was lovingly made with WWE, starring The Undertaker and lovingly uh, the new is day. not the word i would use to describe it oh yeah I, i'm trying i'm trying to i'm trying to give I, myself I, a, I would a, say a family would say hastily thrown together in about 10 minutes from their warehouse next door Th- this movie looked like it had a lower budget than the uh than the granny this, it looked like it had the same budget as the house at the end of the street hey no this this movie had at least 20 dollars more a disagree knowing what they have in their back catalog well they had a, they had a, they had a bet netflix clearly didn't give them money to make this no a hundred percent not like t- the people who made bandersnatch which is the previous netflix uh attempt at this type of thing clearly were given a big budget by netflix to make it good and they succeeded this time yeah. clearly wwe was like they probably asked netflix and netflix was like we won't pay you but you can do it you can make it yourselves and they were like no fuck no, no I, I'm sure what happened is that because they also had another Netflix movie beforehand called The Main Event. Okay. Oh, which, that movie was watched. great. That was a great yeah. movie. But I, I, if I had to guess, they probably have some sort of working deal with Netflix and Netflix wanted them yeah. to put something together, but it's been harder because of COVID. Oh, true. So yeah. they wanted to do something that's like on their own without other people. And I'm sure Netflix gave them the same amount of money. And they're like, hey, look at all the money we can save yeah. just by doing this. I'm Ugh. sure. Yeah. And it was, uh, it didn't go well. Uh, no, I, I mean, it, Escape the Undertaker. It, it, do we want to, do we want to go through the content first? Or do we want to talk about the, the, the movie first? Cause there's not a lot to talk about. Yeah, I think I think what's better to talk about first is is the show, and then we can kind of dive into the history of this type of filmmaking or this type of storytelling, um, and interactive media because this is a great example of its failures and kind of connects to some of the the features we've seen of it in the past. Yeah, the uh, Escape the Undertaker is a story where famous wrestler the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Has his urn, the source of ultimate power, Wait, locked no. up in his mansion. But he's not just a famous uh, wrestler in this. In the context of the story, Ben, he is a wizard who is immortal and lives in this his magical mansion. Yes. This, uh, this is full the, in kayfabe. The New Day, Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, and Big E come to his mansion because they would like the urn to have that power for themselves. And they go in. And all sorts of hijinks ensue where they need to escape the mansion. Oh. Not with the urn, but with their lives. Ooh. Actually, with their souls. Yeah. There's no talk about people dying in this. No, no one can their die. Their ethereal souls are taken. Oh. And that just makes them for, cough and get sad. Yeah, for being a, a gamified movie this was extremely disappointing there's a total of about 12 questions 12 options you have 
throughout the course of and this none of them 30 minute long thing. None of them really matter and they're all extremely obvious. Most of them are just you make a decision to stay with one or with two of the three characters. Yeah, you're not And then you'll end up in the same place, but yeah. you'll just see slightly different things. There's there's essentially no fail state in the whole thing. This is this is much more like a video game than an actual traditional choose your own adventure piece of content. And I mean, we'll get more into it with like the history of choose your own adventure. If this content, is like a video game. It's like a walking simulator. It it is, but like I was trying to think of the difference because you know someone could say that um, you know a, any choose your own adventure style, any any like game where you're making choices to move through something is a choose your own adventure thing. But I think what makes choose your own adventures interesting, like in like their novelization form and like their more traditional sense and like in bandersnatches you can lose you can die and fail and the story's over at no point does the story actually end in this you just kind of go back and can keep going and it really does not change anything i've also i also was just looking there are like 30 other interactive things on netflix i have no i haven't heard of a single one of these there's probably a reason for that yeah there's you versus wild there's two bear grills ones uh, there's a unwind. I feel like headspace. Bear Grylls is is a good good topic for that. Yeah, it's like, do you get eaten what by a lion? What are you gonna lion? do with the bees? Are you gonna run into the bees? Well, yeah, I feel like that one feels good because it feels like you can die. Like I feel like there's like actual fail states in these out of the out you versus wild ones because like unlike in fucking the Escape the Undertaker, they they refuse to actually kill off or destroy any of the wrestlers. So even if you betray them and decide to work with the Undertaker and betray the rest of the New Day, you just end up getting to the ending anyway. It's so lame. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. There's there's one like fail-ish state mm-hmm. where you need to be Xavier Woods and you need to join the Undertaker. But, uh, I, I mean, even that takes you right back to the midpoint well, beforehand, and so it, you get to try again. And Xavier Woods is the only path to that failed ending. Because if you betray the other guys with the other characters, you just go back to the same selection screen to force you to go to, to eventually end up on the Xavier Woods one. Yeah, there's honestly not a lot to talk about in this. There's, yep. you know, th- there's a few wrestling gags where it shows his championship titles. There's a dead uh. body who's named Isaac Yankum, which was his storyline brother Kane's old character, which is sort of haha. But Ooh. I tell you, they have a whole warehouse full of Undertaker gimmicks and stuff. And they really mm-hmm. brought over the bare minimum into this haunted house yeah <laughs> and um there there's i don't know if you're not like seven or eight years old this isn't it, it was not entertaining it was not and and so could, could, be, because you're railroaded enough that even the characters like, like even the new day don't get to do any other jovial fun stuff like they don't yeah. really get to riff at all it's and, all very on the rails it, honestly it's like watching monday night raw yeah <laughs> where nothing matters and everything's ends up yeah. the same way it, it's a great distillation of the storytelling capabilities of the Monday Night Raw writing team. It, it, yeah. Yeah. It was probably written by the same people. And Probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And thankfully, 
instead of instead of leading just into this before the podcast today i got interested in the history and the development of choose your own adventure style games in general and i think the history therein is much more entertaining than escape the undertaker which for an official review from me um it, it gets a one and a half stars it was for escape the undertaker yes. one and a half stars yeah that... i give it two i i it was okay. functional it was functional and there were one or two bits where i was like ha huh, cool yeah I, but i i mean it, it, it wasn't offensive i feel like when i feel like when you get below two stars that's like my life is actively worse for having that, watched that's this. that's I one star nothing. for me that's that's one star. nothing having watched this. If, if we weren't if we weren't recording a podcast it would have gotten one star it gets half a star for the fun along the way with you oh buddy all right well so but yeah we're, we're, with we're how, pretty close with how un unpeer and boring and lifeless this escape uh, the undertaker was the reason we have choose your own adventures as a as a brand and as like a like what be what generated that title for this type of story um is because there was a parent who loved telling stories with his kids and would have them like pick different endings and make up stories during story time before bed and he was a lawyer and was like oh this is boring i don't get any fulfillment out of this so he decided that he was going to try to write and sell a book that was like the stories he told with his kids. And they were called Adventure You, and it was the original stories by R. Hare uh, Matagogamy? Montgomery. Oh, R. A. Montgomery. I'm just special. And he originally published these stories that are some of the first books written in the second person, which I find as fascinating. Because the second person is only utilized when the narration yeah, of the story point. is speaking to you and yeah. the, really the only way to do that is in a choose your own adventure book um which is really cool and the well actually 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 matt it would be interesting for someone to write a book mm -hmm. where it's like the book is mind controlling you like the character in the story but like you reading the book is like you in there, the place of the character. There, there's an example of that actually called the a famous book called House of Leaves, which mm. is a horror book that was written in like the style of like a blog. But like the book actually begins to like go crazy as you read it. And like the pages are black and there's like text written in different directions and like the shit goes crazy. And it's all, it's all trying to target you as the one going insane. Um, but I think there's a much different conversation to have about interactive creepypasta in a little bit. Um, Wait, what's the name of that movie? Uh, what's the name of that book, Matt? House of Leaves. I have a copy House of it. House of Leaves. That sounds great. If you uh, when you if you when you come up for um, for New Year's this year, I'll, I'll lend you my copy because uh, oh. you need to have a physical version of it. it makes It makes the experience a hundred percent more valuable. Uh, nice. But before we get to talking, I think there's an interesting thing to talk about, about interactive fiction later on about series just like House of Leaves and, and a House of Leaves is actually the inspiration for almost a whole genre of storytelling. But the Choose Your Adventure started in that very pure, beautiful place. Um, and basically the series just kept going and eventually got picked up by a company that's now owned by big giant fucking publisher that everybody knows. Random House eventually bought the company that was Banton, 
Um, and this has been going on since 1979. And that's really when this type of storytelling became official as kind of its own genre. Interactive fiction has kind of existed as long as we've had stories to tell. But this was the first one where it was truly that was the experience. That second person narrative was used. Um, and I think it was very interesting. Have you? Did you ever read any Choose Your Own Adventure books when you were a kid? Ben? Goosebumps, baby. Yeah. So the Goosebumps Choose Your Own Adventure book, I feel like, is the is like the definitive choose your own adventure book. Am I wrong on this? Yeah, you're complete. You're definitely wrong. The traditional one is like the cave of time and the old school ones from the seventies, but goosebumps well, yeah, is the, but I mean, from like, goosebumps, from like the nineties, two thousands, I feel I, like goosebumps, the goosebumps ones were the most successful ripoff. Like, yes. Yeah. Thank you. And it, and, and part those, a lot of those exist because the uh, original production from printing company never trademarked the term or the concept. And so for years, people were able to just like do whatever they want and use the name until random house took over and instantly like ha- cut down really hard on that. Mm. Um, wow. I did not really, there, there are 42 choose your own adventure goosebump books called give yourself wow, really? give yourself goosebumps they were all written by rl stein including there was a bunch of special editions there were eight special editions oh, um well, that well, were, well I, I read the one at the carnival oh that's the very first one es- escape all from right. the carnival of horrors published in 1995 ben there we go isbn 0595532 exactly <laughs> as i remember it <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and I think that that kind of fiction's really, really interesting. And I think it was it captivated an audience and a and a group of people and children for gen, for a generation. Um, and it didn't really kind of hold up uh, after the late '90s and going into the 2000s. They kind of completely fell off in any real popularity. Uh, Random House stopped publishing them, and things kind of went down the drain until. I feel like- I feel like with video games yeah. becoming a thing, like that sort of replaced the choose your own adventure. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that text-based adve- uh, online games kind of sit in like a middle ground. Like the original yeah. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a text-based adventure, which is a, you know, it's a choose your own adventure video game. But I think it transcends it because of how interactive you can be with those where choose your own adventure stories need to have a little bit more of a rails, but not too much. Unlike the the escape from the taker, which I think almost falls out of being this and kind of falls more into the interactive media overhead, which is, I think an insult. Um, um, But we saw an evolution of this, um, not different from the evolution in, in birth of video games, which I think did take a big, put a big toe in the face of this. Um, is in 2006, the original publishers got their rights back um, and they decided to make the very first interactive DVD, uh, which is called Choose Your Own Adventure, The Abominable Snowman, which was an interactive DVD where you would play out a game where you fight the abominable snowman. And uh, So so I, I do want to caveat that, Matt, okay. because we, we do have steps before that. We have probably the earliest of like content that doesn't always have the same ending would be clue right the yeah. theatrical clue but the there di- were multiple different endings the difference with that is that they just got different film reels so that each 
location would have one of three endings and you didn't know which one it would be. So, yeah, you couldn't choose. Right. So, you don't have agency there, but, like, still stuff. It's cool. Also, I, I feel like, and this is a bit of a bridge or a jump too far, but early DVDs where you had, like, included DVD games on menus... See, to Not me, quite the same. But yeah, it's a game. It's also, an included game. I, I do remember, like, uh, uh, what is it? Independence Day, the special edition DVD for okay. it. When you first boot it up, it opens up with a view of the White House. And then it has a timer going. And oh, so shit. So you have the timer to either play the movie or go to the main menu. And so it's it's not a choose your own adventure, obviously, but you only have like twenty seconds <laughs> to to make a choice, or else the White House will explode. It'll just start the movie. Well, I I think that that type of interactive media is at the heart of why like choose your own adventure things were successful because people love it's why people love video games because you love to feel like you're part of the story. Yes, uh, and that's an amazing example of great great directors and. I think there's a there's a complete lost art to the the uh, design of making interactive like DVDs and DVD special features. Like they got cool boxes now, but like the really cool and interactive like screens and like uh, menus have really fallen off. That was a real art from back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. A lot of that's been. I think focused on more on social media yeah. and, and like mobile phones and stuff. Like I know talking about choosing your own adventure. I know that, uh, AW's Instagram page mm-hmm. had a choose your own adventure where they would link you walking around the backstage locker room. That's cool. It's like, Oh, who do you want to interact with? Or it's like, who do you want to face on dark? And they'd each have their own little video clip with it. Oh, I love it. That's, that's really cool. And interactive media like that and through social media really, I think, did a great service and took interactive media and kind of interactive storytelling to a whole new level. Um, and it kind of falls outside of the control of the Choose Your Adventure brand and original design. But I think it there's a captivating, utterly captivating story to be told about SCPs. Do you know what SCPs are, Ben? That's the uh, that's the website with all the aliens, right? Yeah, it, it is the single largest collaborative storytelling effort in human history. Um, outside of like the like the concept of like religion and like shared cultural narrative, it as like an online interactive fan driven fan produced storytelling endeavor that has deeply connected and integrated rules. Nothing has been done like it, and. That can be that can all boil down to not just a relation to th- to this and kind of interactive movies and stuff, but in 2009, um, I think one of the greatest self-published, completely independent storytelling um, endeavors ever happened, which was Marble Hornets. Are, are you explaining what SCP is, or are we just oh, moving past that? Sorry, yeah. No, SCPs more or less. There's a website which is like a faux area 51 website yeah. that details it's very much like all the... of these scps and each scp is just some sort of creature with a weird ability and you know either a lot about them or less because lots of the information's redacted but and each of them have 
special abilities. Well, and each of them have special clarifications. There's deeply integrated rules about like how they're contained and how they're classified. And like, they don't allow people to write about like SCP, like one through 10. Like those are like special prizes given away to people who are like fantastic writers. They're on like SCP, like 3000 now. And and they do them in batches. After like, scp 1000 the quality on them has oh, taken a significant no i, I harshly disagree I, I i've read through yeah. some of these and it i there's still good ones there are very Don't good get ones me wrong there are still very good ones but they're reached a certain point where i'm reading them i'm like why the hell is this thing in here like this is stupid. I, well ben see here's the thing and this is a big thing with this kind of interactive horror storytelling that evolved out of the creepypasta world and we'll, we'll get back to its originator here in a second but i i think scps does something very special which makes it i think like you said really aggravating um because unless you fully invest in belief that the universe they've created is a real narrative thing and you read them like and can connect the narratives to how like aspects of each scp is like relative and important to the rest of them it is it's really really fun um they're on like scp 6000 now (laughs) um and it's it's a really endearing thing shout out uh big shout out to the volga uh the vogon or volgon on youtube who does audio video plays of different scps and his whole like narrative presents them like they're the, each SCP and he's reading it is like a lecture that he's giving to a class. Uh, and it's a fantastically, it's a fantastic way of engaging with SCPs. Cause yeah, I'm sure reading them. I, maybe I, I, I probably have selection bias. Cause I guess this guy only reads good ones. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Trust me. There, there was one, which was like a cotton candy monster. Or Hell something. yeah. Like, 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 there's a lot of them where it's just the the actual writing quality. Oh yeah, is oh. just not good. Well, the the yeah, the writing quality and the writing quality across interactive horror uh, series. There was a um. Oh uh, fuck! What was it called? Oh, there's a name for what people always called. Like this kind of interactive horror. There was like a special name for the genre. Oh, alternate reality game. Sorry, we'll we'll jump back. Um, stuff like the thing the thing about SCPs, and I do agree, but I have I guess I have some selection bias. Um, there is one about a called when the imposter is sus. So some of them I guess really are um, full memes. Uh, this one's about a a sheep with a phone dial for a head. That's uh, SCP-1498, the Dial-A-Dream, uh, Euclid classification, by the way. Uh, but in, in the history of, all, of alternate reality games, which I think are the pinnacle of interactive fiction and the pinnacle of kind of choosing your own adventure, um, was stuff like Marble Hornets, um, uh, Tribes 12... Um, everyman hybrid and the many other hundreds uh, of attempts to engage with this type of horror ben did you ever engage with like any of these alternate reality games or at least watch the aftermath no i ar games i well actually there's 
it, not a not an AR game, but there is a YouTuber. Well, these are all YouTube series where they and, pretend. And let me let me see if I can. So when I when get I it real, real quick, when I say alternate reality game, I don't mean like the ones you can play on your phone, like uh, Pokemon Go. Alternate reality games are actual directly interactive transmedia storytelling, where the characters in a live action YouTube series stay completely in kayfabe and interact with fans online and the fans interactions in real life endeavors actually had a direct impact on it. So in the, in the case of marble Hornets, there was something called the trial of the rabbits or not in marble Hornets and every man hybrid, which was the most interactive of them all was the pinnacle of the interaction. And the, the character people, real life people had to actually travel out into the woods, into the places in the middle of nowhere to go and find and get things. And there were things that were never found and never captured. And now the series over they've the, the creators have talked about how there was whole storylines and ideas they had that never happened because people just didn't go out and solve the clues actually. Um, and, wow, and that's wild. it's, it's really true. And they, they had hundreds of people and I was part of this during the trial of the rabbits. They had a series of rituals and activities that you had to go and film yourself doing and they would actually engage with you online with what you did if you did them and, and engaged with them. And like it got to the point where like the the person who was writing and coming up with them, Evan, eventually like had people start engaging in this uh, this type of like fear meditation that can cause like horrific panic attacks. And like they had to like stop doing it because people they were worried and people did actually start having like negative reactions to the oh, things no. they were doing. They had, they had ones where people had to like write down a list of like, I think it was your fears and go loudly proclaim it in public in a public place and film it. And like not, not a small number of people did this and they, they yeah, never, they never broke character. Even when they were interacting with fans in real life, the narratives were a hundred percent real. And they like certain people like forego using social media for years because they died in the series. And that's awesome. Yeah. And it was really to me, that's the pinnacle of at least at that time period of interactive storytelling, Marble Hornets did an incredible job with the two, but they went of the more, um, the interactions weren't going to change the narrative, but they enhanced it and made it part of the experience. So like, it did change the narrative to some degree based on the amount of information we got and know about things, but like the outcome still would have happened irregardless. Well, that's nothing like the YouTube channel I was talking about. I oh. was talking about, uh, it's called Kraina Grizibo TV. Okay. I don't know. It's something Russian. Did you, have you ever seen smile guide, Matt? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I'll send you a link to smile guide. Um, it, it's, it's not really interactive, but mm. it is a wild, like out there series. So it, is it, it's not, it's not the same genre, but it's the same vein. Oh, I know. Yeah. And this is, I, I, I looked it up and this has actually been covered. The smile, smile guide has been covered by a couple different channels that do breakdowns of like alt reality and like this kind of genre of like, it, like absurdist online videos. There's a, great and this this actually literally have to be a discussion for another time because it's a whole other like genre of specifically youtube storytelling um there's a group called wham city comedy um who made who did some deeply interactive um media pieces but they're all kind of this like 
subversive, weird, like what's going on isn't explained and everything's played like it's completely real. Um, they did a couple different ones like that. It had a series called uh, Alan Tutorials, which did have some level of fan interaction. But they also had a bunch of other ones that have gotten very popular, like uninterrupted footage of a bear, um, save it to your desktop. Um, and one which was, I'm trying to find, oh yeah, The Cry of Man um, had like a deeply interactive aspect of the story where the the story being told was told over the course of like a month on Comedy Central's website. And they had actual live phone lines that were open while they were filming. And so, and so people would call in and like have to engage with the people as if the story was real or they when they would like try to break them out of it, the characters would go fucking insane. So like destroying the set. Wow. It was awesome. It's really it's a it's an interesting end of it. It's very similar and, to I think. And what's that called again? Uh, Wham City Comedy are the people who have who've made it. Um, they're OK. One of their really interactive ones was um, was Wham City presents the cry of man. Um, which you can find online and try to watch. They're weird watching them out of sequence. To me, the, the, I found them through a, a uh, one called Uninterrupted Footage of the Bear. And that was interesting because it didn't have an aspect of like you could affect the story that was being told in the, in the, in the show. It was like a short, but they designed and executed an entirely, an entire deeply, deeply complex website that if you followed the links that were in the video, they led to real websites that had real content on them, like hundreds and hundreds of pages of writing, all in character, all relevant. And there were secret parts of the websites that you had to like follow their like defunct Twitter that they made and filled with tweets before the thing ever came out. And you had to go and engage with it and find the links to different parts of the website. And if you go back and watch old performances by Wham City and some of their older specials like um, Live Forever As You Are Now. Um, the actor who's in that series, who's one of the Wham City main writers and part of these other series, um, has a website in that that if you go there, only there could you find the password to part of the website from their other series. Wow. It is one of the most impressive goddamn things in the world. Um, I'm a huge stan of Wham City, and I think we need to have a conversation about kind of absurdist content. Um, but let's rein it back in. Um, let's catch up to kind of where we are now with the world of Choose Your Own Adventure. So in the the 2006, we had that first DVD. In the early, in the mid to late 2000, 2010s, we had an explosion in alternative reality games which have now, and creepypasta, which have now culminated in the SCP, which is kind of the last big pillar of this kind of interactive collaborative horror storytelling. Um, until in 2017, Netflix got em embroiled in a, uh, a dispute with the original Choose Your Own Adventure trademark holders. Because oh. due to the, uh, the nature of the Choose Your Own Adventure brand and the fact that it was only eventually trademarked, there is legal precedent for the notion of what's called generalization, where a type or a trademark has become synonymous with the product itself and entered the public lexicon outside of reference to that original content like kleenex or aspirin which legally you or a band-aid yeah or band-aid exactly 
those things ha- have they cannot be trademarked you cannot hold a trademark on band-aid because it is a generalized term despite not actually being an adhesive bandage um and that started to and people were trying to set a president that choose your own adventure as a as a name for something was that and netflix tried to license them for it in 2017 and they got they got like um, stone, stone shouldered, cold shouldered by the Choose Your Own Adventure uh, trademark holders. And they like wouldn't reach a settlement with Netflix. And this happened right as they were starting production on Bandersnatch, the first big, popular, and successful interactive storytelling um, Choose Your Own Adventure movie slash video we've ever had in like the modern day. And it was truly successful. It was huge. It was very good. It was very fun. But during the production of it and the filming of it, Netflix had never reached a trademark agreement with them. And in the, and in the show, they said that, um, oh, yeah, it's based on a choose your own adventure book. Thus, due to that being a trademark, they technically mm. it said that the Bandersnatch book in the show was canon choose your own adventure material. And so the the creator of the uh, an owner of the trademark came out and talked a bunch of shit about Bandersnatch, saying that it was so horrific and terrifying that it would ruin their brand forever, despite <laughs> despite not having made anything in years. Um, and then they they sued, so they sued Netflix. Netflix got like basically decided to enter litigation with them. Get that bag. Yeah, but the company, I guess, had enough money and, and, and enough willingness to stay and to say fuck it that Netflix chose to settle the suit in November of 2020. And as far as I was concerned, that was the last time anyone really... This was the first time since then that they've ever promoted one of these interactive See, media things I that they have. I don't think they've actually promoted it. I, I think that it's just that we're wrestling fans, so we saw it. Okay. Well, maybe that. Then they, well, Netflix, yeah. well, WWE promoted it, I guess. But they, they have not promoted in any in any way I've seen, unlike Bandersnatch, which was heavily promoted, any of these inter, other, other interactive pieces of media they've made, these choose-your-own-adventure movies. I guess Bandersnatch is one of the only real choose-your-own-adventure ones because you can die unless these you versus the wild ones are because a big a big thing in the history of choose your intervention was that you could die to the point that how brutal some of the deaths were in the original and trademark choose your adventure game uh, books, like actually almost got them in a bunch of trouble um, and prevented them from being as popular as they were. Um, but people loved them so much. They didn't care. Um, and that, and that kind of brings us to where we are with choose your adventure storytelling. Cause all the with ARGs have the died. Undertaker. Yeah, skip the entire fuck that. Uh, but there is a lot of very good and very very cool choose your own adventure storytelling and and stories to dive into. If you were interested at all in what I talked about with the ARGs like Marble Hornets, there are some fantastic YouTube series that really dive into and give you that interactive experience that you can't have now. Um, by kind of explaining and delivering to the story to you in the way that it was discovered by the fans. Um, and it's truly, it's truly a wonderful thing. There's a YouTuber called Nightmind who kind of made his bread and butter in doing breakdowns of these series. I think his channel's gone a little of a different direction now, but 
I loved, 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 loved his early work and some of his new work um, that were all about breaking down these series. And um, there's a lot of fun to be found out there with interactive media. And if you've ever read or really loved the Choose Your Own Adventure books, especially the original, the 187 of them, let us know which ones uh, you want us to take a look at. It. If, if there's one you guys really love and you send it to me, I will try to read it. Uh, and talk about it on the podcast. Any of the 184 originals, as long as I can find a copy of it, um, I will read it if you tell me to. So that's my promise to you. And and Ben, how, how are you feeling about this whole kind of genre of storytelling? Really hungry. All right. Ben really, wants really dinner. Hungry. No, I, I, I love choose your own adventure books. I, I, I choose your own adventure things in general. I think... The vast majority of them should stay better for children. Yeah, they're just, it's definitely I, meant for kids. It, it's yeah. In any case, it's really meant for children. You know, even those ARGs, from what I can glean, sounds like something that children would love because they have so much more time on their hands to actually. Well, that those are more, do a bunch of those things. Yeah, those those are perfect for like late teens. Like yeah, the choose like your own adventure teens, books is great if you're like seven. You're in college. Um, I think that for most people, choose your own adventure is probably too much. But I do think that choose your own adventure. I I feel like in video game form through like visual narratives. Mm-hmm. Or uh, the Zero Escape series where the timelines loop back on themselves yeah. and you're given choices. I feel like that's where Choose Your Own Adventure really yeah. reaches its full potential. I do think that there is the opening for a real genre-shifting uh, Choose Your Own Adventure movie to be released, which is some sort of meta you know, Ouroboros style yeah. uh, narrative with the choose your own adventure format. I, th- I think that there's something in that genre that can and someday will be made, but whoever does it is going to have to be a complete psychopath to be able to link all that together. Yeah. I, th- I think there's a, there's also a version where you could do like a live, like in theater version of Bandersnatch or people like vote and it's like a little bit more interactive like people will like run into the theater if the right things happen sure but that's again it's like that's an indomitable task that will need to be like pulled off by like psychopaths yeah there's at this point anything more will require a very high threshold of talent Mm -hmm. so i cannot wait to see it but it's probably going to be a while and you know matt they might not get it right the first time they try it out nope and they might not get it right the second time around either. That's not that's true as well. I, I mean, I think it's very likely they don't even get it right the third yeah, time around. The third time was Pokemon Go. But let me tell you something, you little bitch. <gasps> they're gonna get it right. I know in my heart of hearts they're gonna get it right when it's the fourth time's a charm. Good morning. Engage with us on social media. We love you. Bye.